Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Covering the live betting angles for every game, this is VSIN Live Bet Tonight with Femi Abebefe and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside to the VSIN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is VSIN. Live bet tonight. Femi Abebefe alongside my guy Wes Reynolds here as it's a live betting extravaganza where if you don't have a bet leading up to the game, we'll try to find you one over the course of the next three hours. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter, though. At VEASAN Live is where you can tweet the show. At Wes Reynolds 1 is where you can find Wes. At Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. And also, when you're on Twitter, use the hashtag VEASAN Live Bet if you have a bet or a question. Well, coming up, big night in college basketball. Indiana, Iowa tipping off in a matter of moments. We'll get you a handicap on that game. Then we head to the West Coast. USC, UCLA, Washington, Arizona, Gonzaga, San Francisco, all tipping off throughout the show. We also have a national TV doubleheader in the NBA. Celtics, Mavericks currently in progress. Clippers, Nuggets at the top of the hour. In the third hour, we'll hit some NFL with the NFC number one seed odds and the number seven seed odds. Who's going to get that final playoff spot. Then finally, in this hour, a little live sweat in Kapalua as we wrap up the first round of the Century Tournament of Champions PGA Tour back in our lives, and it is so, so good. But first, Wes, is there a live bit that we can make at the moment? Well, my eyes right now are peeled in Columbus, Ohio, with yeah. Ohio State leading 69-68 to 68 over Purdue. I laid Ohio State on the money line, minus $1.25. Uh, number one, Purdue trying to avoid losing two in a row. Ohio State's taken a lot of injuries in this game, and they just threw the ball away. So Purdue has the opportunity if they want to get the last shot. But uh, Ohio State with an untimely turnover here. So timeout called by Matt Painter, 17.5 left to go. All of a sudden, the money line now drops to minus 155 for Ohio State, plus $1.25 on Purdue at DraftKings. So the inbound stolen for the Buckeyes. Uh, Buckeyes, Purdue's taken the lead a couple times, but the Buckeyes, it's been a close game uh, throughout. Uh, they were up big early, actually, and then they uh, they took a couple injuries. I think the, the kid McNeil, who was the uh, transfer from West Virginia, has not come back in the game. They had another guy go out as well. I saw Zed Key. Zed Key, game? yes, Zed Key. And Zed Key usually has a, a real mismatch problem with Zach Eady, as most guys <laughs> yeah. do when the guy is seven foot three, but... Well, Zed Key's six eight, so it's almost like a foot taller than. Yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. Zed had some struggles last year in the two meetings against Purdue, but uh, now Ohio State having to go small. I think that's probably the better lineup against this Purdue lineup. But Purdue does have the basketball. You would expect that they're not going to hold until the very end. They're going to try to get a shot up, maybe like nine, ten seconds left to go, and then see if they can get an offensive rebound down low. But. Uh, I believe I, both teams are in the bonus, too. So if there is a foul, Purdue is going to be in the one-and-one. One. But Ohio State, a very untimely turnover here in Columbus. And you got to think, they're probably going to try to set up the big guy with something or at least get get him a touch where he can pass out for an open three. So that's more than likely what you are going to see the Boilermakers do is uh, 
Gillis going to come up. They were plus off. 130 before this possession here on the money line of Purdue as they bang home the three. Yep. Wow. You saw it coming when they when they when they turned it over here. So now Ohio State. Uh, I believe I believe that was Caleb first. That Ohio State has one timeout. We're down to six seconds, and they take. Yeah, the they're going to take it. So six point four seconds to go. Ohio State advances the ball past midcourt there, so they'll have a chance to maybe tie or win the game in regulation. But uh, the money line went ahead and flipped majorly, as you would expect with a team taking the lead with such little time left in the game. Purdue now minus four ninety. Ohio State plus three sixty. Yeah, on the money line. Yeah, they got it into Edie, and then they and then they immediately go to the double, and that leaves an open shooter. That leaves Fletcher Lawyer wide open, who hits yeah. a three. Ethan Morton got the steal on the inbounds on the previous possession, but you know that that's what Edie brings to you. It's not just the scoring and then the size and the rebounding, but you know, excellent pass. The help comes for the double team, and then the the rotator late over there on defense leaves Lawyer open for free, and the freshman knocks it down. Yeah, Zach is like the sun. Uh, for this Purdue team right now, everything just revolves around him, and the opposing team has to kind of yeah. make sure that they. Hey, we got to get two guys because it's such a big yeah, size and, mismatch. And, and you know that's what makes you pay. You, you know you feel like you got to help because it's such mm -hmm. a mismatch down low. Ohio State, not a very big team, and of course we mentioned Zed Key uh, leaving the game with an injury. So uh, let's see who Ohio State goes to. Maybe they go to the freshman yeah. Bryce Sensible. Uh, 6.4 left to go on the clock. Buckeye's going to get the inbound. In so easily. Uh, and this is this possession's going absolutely going? nowhere. They didn't even get a shot off. Yeah, they're not going to get a shot off, and Purdue's wow. going to beat Ohio State 71 to 69. That is a big victory for the Boilermakers. Uh, uh, hit a couple already tonight. Didn't hit this one. Ohio State on the money line at minus a dollar 25. That is an L. And uh, Purdue, look. That that sh that shows good signs, I think, for this team. Though the fact that they lose at home, they go on the road. They're pretty much going upstream and uphill for most of the game, and and they make the big play on defense and then get a stop there. Ohio State had nothing going there. I don't know what was set up, but throw that out of the playbook if you're Chris Holtman because I, I, Bryce Thornton was dribbling, had nowhere to go, and tried to pass it. It's like you just got to throw it up at that point. Yeah, I, I was surprised Purdue actually let them get the ball in so easily. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure there on the inbounds, but then Ohio said, I guess they knew that the Buckeyes weren't going to do anything with it because uh, that was about as atrocious a final possession as you'll see. And I'm not sure if you'll see the headline in many places, but Purdue pulling off the upset despite yeah. being the number one yeah, team. Yeah, in the they were they were uh, they were uh, uh, the uh, ranked number one team yeah. uh, that was ended up getting uh, about a point and a half two, depending on your market. I just lay money line when they're Dogs that be small. Barking. But Fletcher Lawyer with the uh, game-winning three. Purdue still pretty much reigning supreme, I think, is the best team in the conference. So that is the first of a Big Ten doubleheader. Of course, we're going to mm -hmm. get uh, Indiana and Iowa. Uh, well, let's I get into that right yeah. now here because uh, Iowa is a one-point favorite. Totals at 153. Where we're sitting at Circa, they've just gone to two in favor of the Hawkeyes. So there's some interest coming in on Iowa mm -hmm. right before Tipper, about five minutes away. Yeah, we know Patrick McCaffrey is not going to go for Iowa, taking some time away, mm -hmm. battling uh, battling some issues. So, uh, you know, best to him in, in, in his endeavor, and uh, hopefully he is back on the hardwood soon. But yep. this is Indiana's first game, by the way, since December 23rd. Trace Jackson Davis, their All-American candidate, has not played since December 17th. They held him out for the Kennesaw State and the Elon games down in Bloomington, just, I think, due to a precaution, just bad battling uh, some back issues here. So 
you know, Trace, I got to think that the rest helped him. And then IU really has to work on that half-court offense because we know Xavier Johnson's out probably at least until later part of February, maybe early March for the Big Ten tournament. So the freshman, Jalen hood Shafino, it's his show now. He is going to run the point for Indiana. They've inserted Tamar Bates into the lineup, the, uh, the sophomore wing, you know, to give him some three-point shooting. And uh, I'm interested to see how Indiana approaches this tonight because obviously, you know, they have Chris Murray, and Chris Murray is a big-time scorer for Iowa. Indiana has not been very de- good defensively on the wing so far this year. So he's going to get some open threes and get some open shots. But based on what I heard as I was coming down here listening to the post-game show, we'll see uh, you know, if Mike Woodson is speaking truth here. But they want to run a little bit more pick-and-roll, I think, with okay. Hood Shafino to kind of you know, help out with the decision-making because this guy is a true freshman. Now he's a five-star kid out of Mountain Bird Academy, but still, true freshman, Big Ten game on the road. This isn't playing at Montbird. I mean, this is, a, this is a bigger step up. So I think that that's what they want to run. And if that's what happens, you could see these two teams getting in transition. I did make a small play. I didn't know what to do on the side because I feel like Iowa is such a desperate team right now at 0-3 in the conference, and they're mm-hmm. only 8-6 and on the year. Uh, they just lost at Nebraska, and they just lost at Penn State, made a nice little comeback on Sunday to get close, but just couldn't get over the hump. And this is an Iowa team. They don't turn it over. They're third in the country in terms of turnover percentage. Still uh, very efficient offensively, but they're not that great of a defensive team. Meanwhile, Indiana, you know, Indiana's got to figure out how to be a little bit more creative in their offense, too, because sometimes they just run one action, Femi, mm-hmm. and then and then they double the post. They'll double Trace or they'll double Race Thompson. And Indiana, you know, doesn't have an answer, you know, in terms of what their approach is. But if you look at the uh, the games uh, last year, they were both relatively high-scoring games. Iowa beat Indiana by nine at home, 83-74. And then that semifinal of the Big Ten tournament, that was Iowa. A hell of a game. Yeah, Iowa 80-77. to So you had some big-scoring games between these two teams. I took a little over 152-and-a-half. Do you think the market is betting Iowa here as we're getting closer to tip-off? Is it because of a little bit of that desperation, or is it maybe even the long layoff for the Hoosiers, who you mentioned uh, haven't played since the 20s? Prob- probably a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, you know, Iowa, of course, is desperate, but Indiana's still trying to figure some things out, and I think the market kind of sees that, you know, Trace Jackson Davis did not play for a couple games, so is there something there? I think it was a little bit more precautionary mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of his back, but you know, Xavier Johnson, who's the senior, is out for a couple months at least. So you got a true freshman, Big Ten on the road. Now, he, you know, he didn't play in the Rutgers game, by the way, Jalen Huchvino. He was out with an injury uh, in early December. So this is his first true Big Ten road game as the point guard. It's not an easy spot. So that's why I didn't know what to do with the side, because I have no idea what to do with Indiana or Iowa. I kind of would lean Iowa if you made me take the side, but I went ahead and just went over on the total. All right, well, that makes sense. We'll see if we can get some in-game action on the side. And as we're about to go to break here, got a minute left in this segment, uh, there's some breaking news out of the National Football League. This from Adam Schefter of ESPN. The NFL has announced that the Week 17 Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game will not be resumed and has been canceled. Okay. So that's all that tweet says. Now I'm not sure if they're going to call it a tie mm-hmm. or a no contest or what have you, but they're not going to make up that game after week 18, what we'll see this weekend. So that game, once again, has there, been canceled. yeah, there was some thoughts that maybe they would have them play like a week 19. I know there was an idea thrown out there where it's like, okay, let's let the NFC have the wild card round. Then they get a mm-hmm. bye next week. Then do the AFC. But, uh, 
yeah, yeah, we'll see how, you know, this happens in, in terms of seeding, apparently, with that game not being made up. Wow, and also some breaking news from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, and this one even bigger, and we'll pick this up on the other side. The NFL will consider a neutral site game for the AFC Championship game. He tweeted out also an image of the details. I'm going to go ahead and read those over the break, and we'll get you caught up on that when we come back here on VEASAN Live Bet tonight. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Welcome back. This is VEASAN Live Bet tonight. Femi Abebefe alongside Wes Reynolds hanging out here at the Circa Resort and Casino. Uh, we are underway in Iowa City. Indiana out to the early 8-2 lead. Two minutes in against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Good uh, pace early. That's what we like, like to see at the over 152 and a half as uh, I think these two teams are going to get up and down the floor tonight. And they certainly yeah, are buddy. the first two minutes of the game. Give us some more points for that one there. Um, but as we were going to break in the first segment of the show, we informed you guys that Cincinnati Bengals Buffalo Bills game from Monday night will not be resumed. The NFL has officially canceled that game. It will be no contest. Uh, more importantly, the best news that we heard today was that DeMar Hamlin, the Bills' safety, is yeah. doing much better. Uh, he is actually communicating with the doctors and people. And did we, did we win? Hands. Yeah, yeah. He, did we win? He that's, wrote down. That's great. The, that was the, one of the questions he asked the doctor. He said, did we win uh, on the paper that he wrote down? Like, yeah, you won, all right. The, the doctor said that you won the game of life, which I think is just like a chilling quote there. But yeah. uh, it was awesome to see all the updates, the positive updates that were coming in. Uh, throughout the day so that is the best news that we heard today and the biggest news that we heard in terms of Demar Hamlin's health there but the ramifications from what we saw on Monday is that the game will be canceled that was from Adam Schefter of ESPN moments ago and then Tom Pelissero announced or not announced but reported that the NFL will consider a neutral site for the AFC championship game now I'm gonna do a little bit of reading here because it's a memo that was sent by the NFL we're just digesting this news as well as you guys are so here's what the memo states um and obviously it has a, a statement from Roger Goodell talking about the difficult difficulty I should say of the week but here are some of the factors of why they arrived at the decision to possibly play the AFC title game at a neutral site and it says not playing the Buffalo Cincinnati game to its conclusion will have no effect on which clubs qualify for the postseason no club would qualify for the postseason and no club will be eliminated based on the outcome of this game it would require postponing the start of the playoffs for one week thereby affecting all 14 clubs to qualify for postseason play making the decision prior to week 18 is consistent with our competitive principles and, and enables all clubs to know the playoff possibilities prior to playing the final weekend of the regular season now here we go with the elements of what might lead to a neutral site game for the AFC title game. It says the AFC championship game will be played at a neutral site if the participating teams played an unequal number of games and both could have been the number one seed and hosted the game had all AFC clubs played a 17-game mm -hmm. regular season. Those circumstances involve Buffalo or Cincinnati qualifying for the game as a road team and are listed below. Scenario one. 
Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie this week, a Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site. Scenario two, Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site as well. Scenario three, Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins, a Buffalo or Cincinnati versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site. I know this is a lot to kind of take in, but just please follow along. I'll try to read it slowly. Uh, Number two, if Baltimore defeats Cincinnati in week 18, it will have defeated Cincinnati, a divisional opponent, twice, but will not be able to host a playoff game because Cincinnati will have a higher winning percentage for a 16-game schedule than Baltimore will have for a 17-game schedule. So essentially, the Ravens are number two in the AFC North. That is what I'm picking up from Yeah, so Cincinnati has won the division. That is also what I'm picking up, but there's also this note, Wes. If Baltimore defeats Cincinnati and if those two clubs are scheduled to play a wild card game against one another, the site for that game would be determined by a coin toss. If Cincinnati wins the Week 18 game or if Baltimore and Cincinnati are not scheduled to play one another in the wild card round, the game sites would be determined by the regular scheduling procedures. So a, a lot to take in, and obviously mm-hmm. it's moving pieces everywhere. Uh, there was no perfect solution to what was presented earlier this week, but uh, it's, 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 it's really just kind of <laughs> a yeah. lot going on, I guess is what I want to say. Sunday's game, I think, basically matters in terms of are the Ravens going to stay the six seed or the five seed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which obviously will change the path based on who is the number one seed, whether that is going to be uh, Buffalo or, or Kansas City. It looks like at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, there were a lot of different scenarios and there was the thought of, okay, have them re- redo the Bills and Bengals, you know, and almost make it like a week 19 and do it, you know, on a wild card weekend where the NFC would play and then the AFC would play the next weekend and the NFC would get a bye. But that would have given, I think, an advantage, too, to whoever wins that number one seed in the mm-hmm. NFC. An advantage or disadvantage, depending on if you believe in rest or rust. Yeah. Because let's say Philadelphia, you know, is more than likely going to get the number one seed as two touchdown favorites over the Giants. Then they would have two weeks off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this probably is the fairest way to do it. Probably the cleanest way to do it. Yeah. Now, now all the ramifications that I outlined it's still yet to be approved. This will be approved or they'll be discussed at a special league meeting tomorrow where a resolution recommended by the commissioner and approved today by the competition committee, giving the governing both AFC championship game and ramifications on the AFC North winners. So that is the two part resolution that's being proposed. My guess that the fact that it's out there, it'll probably be approved and that will be what we go with going forward. But that information is coming out from all of the NFL insiders uh, over the last five to 10 minutes here. So uh, I guess from the betting ramifications, mm-hmm. I'm not sure a whole lot what you can do yeah. from that. I, I don't think there's an edge. I mean, I guess the edge would be it's a good chance Kansas City goes. Well, I guess they can't even say they're going to have that home game since it'll be at a neutral site mm-hmm. if they end up playing Cincinnati or Buffalo if those two teams were to win this week. So it's it's not like you can go ahead and jam Kansas City to win the AFC thinking that they'll have home field and maybe play that AFC title game at Arrowhead. Yeah, they? yeah, I don't think so. So, I mean, you know, this is uh... – you know, looking like it is the cleanest way to do it. There was obviously no ideal scenario. And then there was the thought of maybe, okay, take, you know, bump everything back and, you know, take it uh, away the bye week mm-hmm. in between the Super Bowl. But the Super Bowl's not moving. 
No, no, no. I mean, I can't move can't at this move. point with everything that's been planned and all the logistics. That you you just can't do that at this point. You know, maybe you could have moved the Pro Bowl out here in Las Vegas the week after the Super Bowl because that is the week between now. That's essentially the bye week for uh, the two Super Bowl teams. So, you know, this is probably the best, and and apparently, you know, this has been agreed to by all parties. So, yeah, there was uh, I think it was Albert Breer who was kicking this around uh, earlier today that. Apparently, Indianapolis, your old neck of the woods, is being discussed as the neutral site since for Kansas City and Buffalo, I believe it would be equidistant for both. That's of those the only championship cities. football that Indianapolis is getting this year as uh, uh, they are uh, probably <laughs> destined for a top five pick in Indianapolis. But <laughs> yeah, a, uh, at least they, at least, you know, maybe people can go see uh, what championship teams really look like because they didn't get a good view of it this season. I guess so. But yeah, a lot to unpack there. Uh, and I'm sure more will come out. But I know there was the theory that was being kicked around about an eighth playoff team in the AFC. None of that is going to happen. Right. It, just, it made no sense to add no. playoff teams four days before the regular season's about to end. That would just be unfair to a lot of parties. But I, I think if you look at what has been ruled upon, obviously there are now huge incentives. Obviously there is major incentive for Kansas City and, and Las Vegas against the Raiders, mm -hmm. Buffalo against New England. Cincinnati and Baltimore so you know it just seems like uh, you've got even more incentives than you really already had uh, with these top four teams in the AFC yeah I'm seeing some places right now off the grid where Buffalo has now gone to a six and a half point favorite so I don't know I don't know if there's maybe interest a little bit that, and that might just be organic interest in New England it might not be mm -hmm. interest in uh because, I mean, uh, there's uh, there, all these things are priced in. There's all these scenarios yeah. for these wild card teams and, you know, teams playing for spots. Like we mentioned about Philadelphia, it looks like Hertz is going to play. That was part of it because you're looking at that number like, oh, my God, how are they 14-point favorites? Well, the Giants can't move. I think that's being priced in that maybe some 100%. of these guys for the Giants are going to sit, yeah. that you're not going to see Danny Dimes out there. You're not going to see Saquon. You're not going to see Thibodeau. There's no way that line is 14 yeah. if, it's, if it's week 11 Eagles hosting be, be, Giants. Because this is obviously Jalen Hurts returning from an injury, yeah. too. So is he quite 100%? So everything is taxed in. So, yeah. you know, 14. Because when you see that, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> that's telling me some of the uh, the G-men are going to sit because yeah. they can't move. Yeah, when you see 14, it's like, all right, no so, dimes, no Barkley. So no. <laughs> it's like, let's put the game plan in, you know, for Minnesota here because that's who they're uh -huh. more than likely going to be facing uh, in the wild card weekend. You know, it is interesting, though, that earlier today there were some seven and a halfs out there in the Ravens-Bengals game. Uh, I'm not seeing any seven and a halfs on the board anymore. I'm seeing just flat sevens. Mostly sevens or sevens with juice. Baltimore, with the whole coin t toss thing, they're incentivized to try to like go Absolutely. for this game and try to win it to maybe take your chances of maybe the coin flips your way and you host the game if you end up facing the Cincinnati Bengals in the wild card round. Mm -hmm. it, it's really some interesting stuff here. But I guess from what the both of us are reading, it sounds like the Bengals are the AFC North division. Yes, game. they are. So, uh, yeah, a lot to go over. I'm sure there'll be more details to come Friday. Definitely tomorrow. We'll hear more about this after the special league meeting between the competition committee and the owners. Uh, we'll be back with more on the other side. It's VEASAN live bet tonight. This is VEASAN live bet tonight with Femi Abebefe and Wes Reynolds live from the Circus Sportsbook on VEASAN, the sports betting network.
Winter sports are in full swing, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for all the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football, hockey, or basketball fan, Bet Rivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Call Insurance, Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and more. It's a whole new game. Welcome back. This is VEASAN Live Bet Tonight. Femi Abebefe alongside Wes Reynolds hanging out here downtown Las Vegas. Uh, I'd imagine the Iowa Hawkeyes are hoping for a whole new game because this one has started yeah. off very poorly for them. Fran McCaffrey is in Big Ten form now, uh, screaming and ranting and raving uh, like a lunatic. That's me saying that, of course, <laughs> as the guy that grew up a fan of Bob Knight. So, you know, yes, I'm being a complete hypocrite here, but I'm like, you know, when they say, yeah, your coach is an a-hole. Yeah, but he's our a-hole lady, so yeah. I'll defend him. That's how it goes usually. But, but anywho, uh, the Hoosiers up 32-13 at the under 12-minute timeout. 169.5 the current total. Minus 12.5 are the Indiana Hoosiers. Just uh, breaking down some stats. I think just a moment ago they were at 1.81 points per possession. You're not going to lose games when you're 1.81. Like, 1.00, like if you ever look at that stuff on the Ken Palm or sites, you know, that's like satisfactory mm -hmm. for offense. If you're under that, that's unsatisfactory. But 181 is going to get it done. Indiana, 11 of 14 from the floor, 79%. They've hit three of four from the three, five of six from the line, winning on the rebounds. Uh, some helter skelter play, too. Iowa's got four turnovers here. Indiana has three. But uh, uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, uh, at least the first eight minutes, is the point guard for the Indiana Hoosiers as a freshman. Very good. Seven points and four assists has already hit two threes. So uh, Hoosiers off to a very good start in Iowa City, a place that hadn't been very good to them in recent years. Yeah, I'm seeing right now Indiana laying 12 and a half. That total up to 169 and a half. Mm -hmm. So. That is very you got over one one fifty two and a half. All right. I think it looks good, but I mean obviously early, obviously Iowa needs to do a little bit of their part. So yeah. it's early, but you'd rather it be one sixty nine and a half than like one thirty nine. Yeah, I know. And it's like, oh man, we gotta play catch up and hope for foul foul city, you know. Yeah, so so off to a decent start is what we'll say. We don't want to jinx anything or mush anything, but off to a decent start. Um, real quick, we have a Pac-12 game that's about to get underway. USC and UCLA out at Poly Pavilion. Bruins laying 11 total, 137. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a high number. Uh, it took uh, some USC money down to 11. I think Circa just went to 12. I did not get a, end up getting involved with this because – at first glance, you're saying, oh, man, USC, you got to take that number. It's obviously a rivalry game. And it probably is a little bit of an overreaction due to what we saw USC losing at Washington State. Uh, Washington State, by the way, should have won both games against the SoCal schools. They should have beaten UCLA. UCLA came back. Uh, USC didn't really didn't really zone UCLA a lot last year, but they but the Bruins a uh, pretty good offense. USC you can't really press as much because they don't have a true point guard, but they have and I hate this term, but I'm going to use it anyway. Mm -hmm. They have a point four where Drew Peterson, who's <laughs> in the middle of the floor, basically who kind of you know has the best vision and uh, you know UCLA you know likes to press and they can change the game with the press. I don't think they're going to be able to do it to USC, but. Uh, they have some good ISO creators. Jaime Yaquez especially can get his own shot. Uh, really good at the shot fake. So the Bruins like to be in the middle of the floor. I don't think USC is going to be able to keep them out because USC is actually very good at protecting the rim. So I ended up staying out. I ended up staying out of this one. Uh, the Bruins obviously playing very good basketball. I think the the initial line was maybe an overreaction, but now at eleven or twelve, I think that's about right. USC or UCLA, by the way, has won ten in a row. 
and they're already 4-0 in the Pac-12. They've got wins over uh, over Kentucky at Maryland, beat Stanford on the road, already beat Oregon, swept the Washington schools last weekend. So UCLA looking very good, top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency so far this season. And Mick Cronin's got them going down there in Pauley Pavilion. Um, what's your beef with point forwards? I'm not. I just, it's kind of a cliche term, and I didn't want to be overly cliche. Uh, not it became too hip for you. Not that's ever stopped me before, but, you know, like they say, point center. I'm like, there's no such thing as a point center. Maybe there is for a point forward, but there's not a point center. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to skip that out there and clarify that. Right. So we wouldn't have any, uh, any beef out there. Um, we mentioned, though, at the top of the show that you got a little PGA Tour going on. Mm-hmm. Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, right now at the top of the leaderboard, one of your guys played phenomenal. Yes, today. yes. Colin Morikawa shot a 64. My goodness. He, he certainly did, uh, and uh, he is tied for the lead, actually, with J.J. Spawn. Uh, meanwhile, they can be joined, though, if uh, John Rahm goes ahead and birdies the 18th hole. John Rahm, by the way, was the favorite outright to win this tournament, and why not? He shot 33 under par last year and still lost. By one to Cam Smith. No Cam Smith this year because he is, of course, part of the Live Tour. So actually, you can bet this in running already at DraftKings. Uh, John Rahm plus two sixty. Colin Morikawa currently at six to one. I got him at about twenty two fifty. And then uh, Scotty Scheffler plus six fifty. He shot seven under sixty six today. Soon J M, who is also a guy, I have a nice finish. Birdied four of the last five. Seven under par. Uh, I think in that cavalcade of players tied for fourth. He is at uh, 11 to one. Tom Kim is South Korean mate. Mm-hmm. Also uh, trying to finish up. He is currently in the 18th fairway. He is 12 to one. And then Tony Finau, 14 to one. Matt Fitzpatrick, 16 to one. Victor Hovland, 18 to one. So looking at the leaderboard, we have a few guys that I think we thought were going to be there. Morikawa, Rom, Scheffler, yeah. Sunjae M. But just looking a little bit down, a couple, couple big names struggled today. Uh, uh, Xander Schauffele is 200 par, but he's tied for 33rd. I thought he was going to WD. That was what the well, he was, ha- was. He was having back issues, and that's why you saw, I think, some of the uh, money against him in the uh, in the uh, matchup market. Yeah, because he got faded in the matchup market. I think, yeah, Tony Finau closed about a dollar seventy against him, and I think Tony Finau opened like plus 110. So. That tells you everybody was backing the back issue, and then he was also matched up with Justin Thomas, and I think they just took that one off the board. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, though, because like a lot of these guys are playing well. I think there's only one player that's over par. Yeah, Billy Horschel. Billy Ho. Billy Ho is at three <laughs> over par. That ain't going to get it done on this, on this course. But, yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of guys down there. Like, three under is a good round. That Sam Burns, Patrick Cantlay, uh, Cameron Young shot, but that's tied for 27, so – so I guess there is going to be lower scoring this year. I don't know I if there, say, I don't know if thirty four because I was saying last night I was like maybe mid twenties, twenty five, twenty six under par because uh-huh. there is some wind out there this year. Whereas there was like no wind and those guys could just take dead aim last year. But they look like they're pretty taking pretty good dead aim right now. And you got two guys at nine under par on I was the gonna, top. I was gonna say the fact that there's maybe a little bit of wind and they're playing this well. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think this is going to be. Somebody might touch 30 mm-hmm. again here. Uh, do you think this early in the tournament, there's a line of demarcation of like, a, hey, if you're not at least to this point, you probably I, I can't think you win. probably want to be within maybe five of the lead. But okay. look, there are 63s and 62s perhaps out on this course to uh, 64. Look at that wind blowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're still shooting this. I think that was Jordan Spieth's uh, approach on the uh, yep. par 5 18th. But 
yeah, just looking at this, and I often like to look at like the strokes gained in between rounds. Uh, John Rahm, who's uh, about to finish up 18 here, number one in strokes gained putting has gained 3.97 strokes on the field wow. in this round. So he is number one in terms of strokes gained putting uh, approach, the best on their approach. Tom Hoagie, Tom Kim, Max Homa, Scotty Scheffler gained over two strokes uh, on the approach. I felt that was important. Off the tee, Sun J.M. is your leader at 179. Scott Stallings, 166. So, yeah, I like to look at that strokes gain stuff, you know, uh, really in between rounds. I think that's good, too, if you're betting, like, round-to-round mm-hmm. matchups. You really want to look at that strokes gain and say, okay, did the guy just get hot for his putter with the round? Because oftentimes in between, like, round-by-round matchups, that's something I might look to bet against, where I go against, where it's like, if a guy gained like five or six strokes putting on a round, well, you're not going to gain that yeah. on an average round. It can only like get worse, basically. Yeah, this is not sustainable at all. Um, I ended up playing three guys, and they're kind of hovering around, not, not just a few strokes back. Uh, I played Victor Hovland. It's a guy we talked about a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt that this course maybe kind of set up for him. Is he finally like going to win little, in, in the 50 yeah, states, I just right? feel like he's due. It's like, hey, if you want to win in the 50 states, maybe win on the island before you get to the main. Six under, uh, though. Good yeah. round. Yeah, he played a solid round. Yeah, and, and gained two strokes with the putter as well. We know why I actually lost, a, looks like, a one point or minus 177 off the tee. So, Ooh. yeah, so that tells you, Quit you know, spraying he's able, it all over the place. Yeah, if he can just hit it in the fairway, this guy is an absolute contender. But we know, like, Victor Hovland's weakness in his game is like his chipping mm-hmm. and his around the green stuff. Like, you'll see some real bad chips or bad bunker shots out of this guy. Yeah, so at Hovland, I played Willie Z, four under, shot a 69. And I also. I threw a little on Justin Thomas. I, th- I made Justin Thomas kind of my horse mm-hmm. that's among the contenders and the big dogs there. So uh, Thomas right now is four under through 16. Uh, but Zal Torres shot a 69. So I, I, a few guys, I didn't want to go too crazy, like you mentioned, because it's only 39 players in the field. So you can't really go more than four if you want to play the outright. So uh, feeling all right. Yeah. But, but no, but, you're but, in but, it but, with those, all three guys. Those scores, though, <laughs> seeing what Morikawa was doing, I believe it was a career best five straight birdies or yes. so. In this round, I was like, oh, uh-oh. Colin might be hot. <laughs> but we'll see if he can sustain that level of play over the course of the next three days. All right, we're going to get you back caught up on college hoops and a little NBA as well in the association. So we'll come on. This will be decent live bet tonight on the other side. This is v Live Bet Tonight with Femi Abebefe and Wes Reynolds live from the Circus Sportsbook on v the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of v Live Bet Tonight is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for. But Zen Nicotine Pouches might surprise you. Zen is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zen online or find a store near you at zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Today, warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back. This is VEASAN Live Bet Tonight. He's Wes Reynolds. I'm Femi Abebefe. We're hanging out at the Circa Resort and Casino. Uh, Indiana right now hanging on to their lead against Iowa. 37-26. Iowa did make a run, though, about an 11-0 run, I think, too. Uh, it, was, it was like 35-15 to 15 at one point was the uh, max score. Now 37-26, just at the under six-minute mark. So uh, 
Uh, looking down, I got to scroll down for the live line. Okay, Indiana minus nine and a half, one sixty nine and a half. So we're still trending well on that total. The in terms of the side, it, would you would you ever want to get in on Iowa, like getting eight and a half, or was there a number that you have in your mind? Yeah, to get in on. The I I, I might have missed it to be honest with you uh, in terms of getting over double digits as uh, Indiana splits a pair at the foul line. But look. This is a team that, you know, they get down, they're going to play up-tempo. And you've mm-hmm. seen what they've tried to do, and they've been able to speed up Indiana a little bit with some pressure, and that's how they made that run. They were down 20 at one point. Now uh, back down 12, they cut that 20-point lead down to nine. So, you know, Iowa is going to play how they play. Iowa can always score. Now, defensively, and, and, and that was why one of the reasons I like the over is because, okay, you got a starter out with Patrick McCaffrey, but it's like, it's easier to replace that offense, I think, for a team like this than it is to replace the, the defense, which, quite frankly, hadn't necessarily been great uh, for this team. But nevertheless, uh, Indiana up 38-26, to 26, uh, about five and a half to go in Carver-Hawkeye Arena in the first half. Well, let's get some other college basketball scores from around the country here, and we'll head out west to Boulder. Oregon taking on Colorado. Uh, what's happened to Oregon? Yeah. Colorado's just absolutely destroying them so far here in the first half. They're up 32 to 15 at home, laying these, 11 and a half in game total, 134. These are two very erratic teams. Colorado had had a five game winning streak, and then they go lose on the road at Cal, who was 1 and 13 on the season. And, you know, obviously that one win was not a Pac 10 win or Pac 12 win. I think it was UT Arlington. Mm-hmm. And Colorado, yeah, this, this this is one of the weirdest teams in America when you look at the variance. This is a team that lost on the road to Grambling. And then they go beat Tennessee, who's like now the number two rated team in the Ken Bomb and looked like they'd be a number one seed if the uh, bracket were to come out next week. They beat a decent Texas A&M team, but then they start out 0-2, lose at home to Arizona State, lose at Washington. Then they win five in a row. And then they lose to Cal. I almost, I should have played the under here. I kind of stared at it, lost mm-hmm. a couple of the points on the number there. But Oregon starting to get a couple guys healthy, but I think they're on minutes restrictions tonight. I think uh, I think uh, I think the kid uh, Cousinard is back, but on a minutes restriction. But yeah, this Oregon team has also been erratic, only eight and six on the season. Now they really haven't lost. Now they've lost to a couple teams. Now these teams aren't bad; they're in the top one hundred, but. They lost to UC Irvine at home. They lost to Utah Valley at home. Everybody else they've lost to is pretty darn good. But, yeah, this is a, a very up-and-down Oregon team that Dana Altman, I think they're still trying to figure it out. The UCLA Bruins, though, are off to a pretty good start at home against their rivals, USC. Right now I'm seeing the Bruins up 15-4, to four, now laying 15-and-a-half on the end game. I believe they ended up closing 11. Yeah, that was the number they closed, 11. They closed 12 here at Circle. Mm-hmm. 11 seemed to be the consensus line. Uh, the total is sitting at 130 and a half here uh, as we're approaching midway of this first half. Yeah, and uh, and UCLA pretty much getting what they want right now. I didn't end up betting this, even though that number looks so high and so tempting to take USC in a rivalry game. And this is not a bad USC team. I mean, they've mm-hmm. beaten Auburn and they've beaten some good teams. They're 11 and four right now, but this is all Bruins at least early on, 15 to four. Under 12 timeout now in Pauley Pavilion. USC is shooting 2 of 9 from the floor, 6 of 14 for the UCLA Bruins. Also pounding them on the glass. I mentioned USC not a very big in terms of size team, and it's showing early. 13 to 4 rebound advantage already for the Bruins. 
We haven't really gotten to much of the NBA because the national game turned out to be a blowout. Yeah, Boston and, and Dallas. And that's unfortunate when he had a prop. That was uh, the only yeah. thing I played tonight. I played Jason Tatum over 31 and a half. He's going to end up with 29. They had him in until about the three and a half minute mark, but 122 to 93, and I make that 95. But Celtics rebounding, you know, uh, nicely from that loss to Oklahoma City the other night uh, where they got beat by over 30 against a team that didn't have their best player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah. So, you know, market uh, looked at it. Even though this line didn't really move, it was three for the most part. I tried to play it through the prop with Tatum. Just felt just too much of a blowout here. As uh, uh, we turn to Iowa, Race Thompson uh, uh, down for Indiana and being helped oh. off. I, I did not. I'll have to see the replay when they come back from break. But that was the stoppage of play. The uh, uh, six-year senior, Race Thompson, who came back for one more year, was down and looks like he is being helped back to the locker room. So we'll have to uh, we'll get an injury update on that when we can. Yeah, that's not good. Um, back when the Celtics Mavericks game, Celtics, according to the box score, did a pretty terrific job on Luka Doncic because I'm seeing 23 points, nine rebounds, three assists, but on seven of 23 from the field in this matchup. And then Luka, we've had a lot of celebrating Luka because rightfully so he's been awesome mm-hmm. uh, had that 60 20 10 game the other day uh last week and and has put up a 50 point game after that one as his name has been thrown into the MVP at the top of the conversation as the favorite but uh this is one of those games where I think Boston really made it their personal mission oh yeah <laughs> to quiet the Luka yeah time. and that's what you want to see out of a top team is now this is a final score 124 to 95 you know, they got embarrassed at Oklahoma City. And, and you know, in, in a long 82-game season, you're going to have a couple bad performances. I don't care how good you are. And Boston certainly had it. Uh, Jason Tatum doesn't get over his points prop, but he does get a triple-double tonight. So, you know, that's kind of one way I'm playing some of these props on these premium players. It's like, okay, somebody has a big game. Somebody else kind of has a big game if they've had a couple down games. So Jason Tatum, that is his second career triple-double, and they get an absolutely massive win. Yeah, Tatum said, don't forget about me in the MVP race. Um, The two-time reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, he and the Denver Nuggets will be hosting the Los Angeles Clippers in about 10 minutes out there in the Rocky Mountains. Right now I'm seeing in the market the Nuggets four-and-a-half-point favorites Total 229.5. There's been a lot of movement in the total with mm-hmm. this game here, but what stands out to you when you look at this? Well, market? Kawhi and Paul George are going to go tonight uh, on hey. the road. They're both they're both going to play. So starting lineups here, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, and Avicii Zubach for the Clippers. That's their usual starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. That's the usual five for the Denver Nuggets. Uh uh, Clippers on a three-game skid here, and number dropped a little bit, obviously, if Kawhi and PG are uh, uh, going to go ahead and go, but there's still some fives out there. And, yeah. and you know, on the surface, that would seem to be, like, a, a, I think a very big number uh, uh, for the Clippers. But nevertheless, the, the Clippers are such a tough team to bet because you never really know when they're going to be all together. And, and it's just mm-hmm. when you don't, when you don't have that rhythm, I, I guess maybe you can flip the switch. Maybe they can. Uh, we shall see. But this is not one that uh, I went ahead and played tonight. I just think I think Denver really obviously is in better form right now. It's a short two-game trip for the Clippers. But, you know, 
Now, those guys are playing, but they're only 11-11 against teams for their own conference because they've been pretty stagnant on offense. Mm -hmm. Clippers have actually been a pretty solid under team this year. Their offensive rating against Western Conference teams, by the way, last in in all in all of the NBA against Western Conference teams for the Clippers. It uh, surprise most people. It does. It absolutely surprised me. Meanwhile, Denver at home, number one in offensive rating. That's third in the NBA behind Boston and Sacramento, and that's also why Denver is 14-3 and three at home, and they lead yeah. the uh, NBA in field goal percentage in home games. So that's why you're seeing Denver at such a big number tonight, also first in three-point percentage at 42% a game. Are there any props that stand out to you? I'm seeing Nikola Jokic, his points prop 26.5, rebounds prop 11.5, assists 9.5. The guy's expected to pretty much put up a triple-double. But yeah. uh, when you look at the prop numbers, anything that stands out to you? Would would we, would lean maybe a little bit at his over-rebounds, uh, I think. Is it still 11.5? Uh, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I think it is. And, and, and look, uh, uh, he's got 13 or more rebounds in six straight games against the Clippers this year. He had 13 and 32 minutes against the Clippers earlier this season. Clippers allow about 44. That's about mid-pack in the league. Sometimes they have trouble keeping opposing bigs off the glass. So I think Jokic, if I'm to play one of those props, it'd be the over on the rebounds. All right. So Jokic rebound set at 11 and a half over at DraftKings. Once again, Nuggets, four and a half point favorites right now in the market. Total is at 229 and a half tip off in about five-ish minutes out in the Rocky Mountains. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with hour number two on the other side.